Hey friend, it's okay to not be okay for a while, but Jesus has a plan to see your scars become success stories that reflect his glory to the people around you. Today, I'm interviewing Jennifer Watson, and she's going to be talking about brokenness, how we wear it like a badge, proudly showing off the shattered pieces of our lives while we're still fighting the same desperate battles. Jennifer wants to help you stop feeling shame and emptiness, to discard the victim mentality, to experience lasting restoration in your story and your soul. If you're feeling stuck, this is a day for you. This is your opportunity to take a look at what's broken and take that brave and gutsy step of moving forward. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Jennifer Watson. You're listening to Life Repurposed, where you'll find practical biblical wisdom for everyday living, creative inspiration, and helpful resources. Grow your faith, improve your relationships, discover your purpose, and reach your goals with topics to encourage you to find hope amid the trashy stuff of life. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friends, before we get into the interview with Jennifer, I just wanted to pull out something from her book that resonated with me. Now this is among all of the things that I marked and put post-it notes on and everything like that, but there's something in here that she talked about, about our tug of war with joy. And I'm wondering if you can relate to this, where you're always on edge when something good happens and, and you're thinking about like being full on joyful about it. There's this tug of war thinking there's a tragedy about to come. So I'm bound to thinking about tragedy instead of really being in the moment with joy. Jennifer talked about how she was uncertain of how to handle the joy and freedom that she was walking in on a daily basis. It was almost as if she was looking for something to worry about because that was what she was so used to having. And when we think about it, this episode is about breakthrough, but there are times when maybe... We're on the verge of breakthrough. And Jennifer mentioned this in in the interview where she talked about how so many people get so close to breakthrough and they don't quite get there. It's kind of like that with after you've experienced a breakthrough from brokenness as well, of always thinking something bad is going to happen. There has to be some disaster that's waiting around the corner. The problem then is that we begin to self-sabotage and we never truly experience the joy that we're supposed to experience that God has mapped out for us. He wants us to live a joyful life and sometimes we stand in our own way. So this episode is going to be about experiencing breakthrough from past pain, but it's also going to be about what we do after that breakthrough. John 10 verse 10 reminds us that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus has come so that we can have life and we can have it abundantly. So often my own frustration, my own worry, my own pain holds me back from experiencing that wonderful abundant life that he has come to offer us. As we go into the interview today, and as I talk with Jennifer, I want you to be thinking about your own experience and the way that you've experienced some kind of bondage from something that's happened to you in the past, whether it was some kind of verbal abuse or trauma or physical abuse or anything that has stopped you from experiencing the abundant life that Jesus came to offer you. 
Today's episode is about breakthrough, like I said, but it's about you personally and what God's putting on your heart. So as you listen to Jennifer talk about her story, I hope you find ways that you can connect and relate in what God's asking you to do in your next step. My interview with Jennifer is coming up right after a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by the book and Bible study called The Repurposed and Upcycled Life, When God Turns Trash to Treasure. Are there experiences you'd rather toss in the dumpster? Discover the repurposed and upcycled life. This Christian living and humor book and accompanying Bible study will help you see how some of your greatest disappointments, mistakes, and hurts can be beautiful treasures from God. Move forward with new purpose even in the midst of the trashy stuff of life. The workbook includes small group discussion, Bible study, doodles to color, and optional at-home applications each week. This is a study for busy women with easy prep for leaders and very little homework for participants. This simple format is welcome for busy women who are looking for deeper relationships with one another without the burden of extra homework. You'll find more about the best-selling book, The Repurposed and Upcycled Life, When God Turns Trash to Treasure, at michellerayburn.com. Today, I'm happy to welcome Jennifer Watson. She is an author and a co-host of the More Than Small Talk podcast. She's the mother of two teenagers and a fierce advocate for anyone walking through trauma from broken relationships and systems. Jennifer is the author of the book, Freedom, The Gutsy Pursuit of Breakthrough and the Life Beyond It. We'll be talking about that today, talking about a little bit more of Jennifer's story and about how she got that passion for helping people break free from the trauma of broken relationships. Here's my interview with Jennifer Watson. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So I've heard your name on the More Than Small Talk podcast, and I'll link to that in the show notes for our listeners. And I've met both of your co-hosts at a writer's conference, but this is my first time getting to sit down and meet you face to face. Yeah, I'm so excited to meet you. I know I know about you, and I think that we have a lot of connections, so I'm really glad we're finally getting to meet. Yes. Your podcast starts with you talking about friends hanging out with a beverage. So I have a question for you. You yes. mentioned three options every week in the intro, yes. and I'm wondering which one you would choose between cup of coffee, mug of tea, or a green smoothie. See, I'm the weirdo who likes all three. <laughs> and so, but I would say like my go-to right now would be hot tea and mm. You know, I go for the iced coffee, not the mug of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Same. <laughs> but I love that you added the green smoothie option in there because not everybody's coffee or tea. That would be Susie. She's like, no, <laughs> I need Gotta to have the green <laughs> smoothie. <laughs> so what I really wanted to talk about today was your book. I was on vacation, sitting by the fireplace, watching the waves come in on Lake Superior and reading your book. And I was highlighting and underlining and putting post-it notes in there. So I really wanted my listeners to hear you talk about freedom, the gutsy pursuit of breakthrough and the life beyond it. And I just want to get started with you um, talking about what was it that made you decide to write that particular book? I think that what I was feeling and what I was hearing from so many friends 
for so many years is we were circling the same issues, <laughs> not getting anywhere. Like, you know, we were telling the same stories. We were telling the same heartaches. We were, you know, everything was kind of like deja vu all the time <laughs> because it was always the same. So I felt like I was circling, um, the area of like breakthrough and freedom. But then once I started like pursuing it with such a gutsy abandon, the woman with the issue of blood always has Mm. been like the person that I just admired so much because she never gave up. Mm. I just thought you have, that's a gutsy woman. And that if I'm going to experience healing from trauma. And if I'm going to experience a real breakthrough, I'm going to have to go after it. And that means letting go of some things. And that means releasing some things, but it also means, um, you know, doing the really hard work that it takes to be free. And listener, if you're not sure what that story is that Jennifer's talking about from the Bible, I'm going to link to that in the show notes. It's from the book of John, and it's a woman who was pursuing healing. And Jennifer, you talk about people pursuing healing in the book. You said in the introduction that you've heard it said that most people spend their adulthood trying to get over their childhood. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think that we all have, I mean, maybe not all, maybe someone had a really happy, like healthy childhood, but then they get into their middle school years and then they experience like conflict or bullies or whatever. Mm -hmm. We all experience heartache, but when you come from a broken home and you're raised by broken people, you see brokenness as like a front row seat. It's dinner and a show and it's not a good show. And I can remember I'm so grateful for all of it because I don't think that I would see people the way that I do if it wasn't for having two broken parents, one who really did the hard work to become free and left um, an abusive husband, my father, and who later became an alcoholic. I saw one woman pursue freedom and put two brown eyed girls in the back of her car. And I watched one man spiral Mm -hmm. and, um, So I think that there's a lot of things in my childhood that I've blocked, thankfully. And there's a lot that I had to heal from and say, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my job to fix them. But that's the role I took as the firstborn, you know, daughter. Uh, I think about how even the listener who is not from the same type of broken home probably comes from some kind of brokenness. Even if it's teasing or something that happened at school or self-confidence that was broken by something in life. So I think we can resonate with your story, even if we haven't walked in your shoes. That's what I love about how you tell your story in the book. Yeah. I really do think that pain connects us. And that's the language that we understand is someone else's pain, even if their story is completely different. When we're talking to someone and we see their face and we see tears, we know, okay, that's pain talking. Like, I get that. You talk about how our pain might be attached to a face or a place, Mm -hmm. but that our healing is in the person of Jesus. What are some of the faces and places that people attach their pain to? I think maybe um, I always call it the scene of the crime. Like no one get is mended or gets their treatments 
at the scene of the crime with shattered glass. You know, they have to go somewhere else to heal. So I feel like the the scene of the crime where that heartache happened, whether it was in church, whether it was at home, whether it was in the workplace or at school, that we can connect it to a place at where that happened. And our body responds differently when things remind us of that place. And it's the same with faces that we can visually think of people who have hurt us just like that and recall every detail of their face. And, um, and so I was like, Oh, I don't want this to hold weight. So what do I do? And it's the person of Jesus and saying, okay, I can't go back to the, I can't keep going back there to heal. I'm going to find my healing in the person of Jesus Christ, because my healing's already been paid for. It's a done deal. So why am I dragging my feet on some things? What was that journey like for you? Really liberating. Um, I am a natural people pleaser. I want to make everybody happy. I want to say yes to everything. And when I started looking at healthy relationships and experiencing breakthrough, the biggest part of breakthrough for me was putting boundaries in place and kind of pushing back a little bit, which is something that I didn't do. And I I didn't stand up for myself. So all of a sudden I felt this boldness, not to like be in someone's face, but to say, no, that's not right. And, you know, I can't, I can't have you talking to me like that, or I can't have you hurting me like that. Um, So in a lot of ways, it was very, I think freedom is very offensive to those who are not walking in it or benefited from you not being free and broken. And so, um, so I think that it felt good, but it was like, oh, who's this girl? You know? Right. <laughs> but I would say um, it was the biggest gift in my life to not back down, to not shrink back. Because when you come from brokenness or have a lot of pain in your life, we shrink back and we hide. We go MIA. And I have friends like Holly and Susie, they will not let me do that. (laughs) Um, And so I had to learn, okay, I can break with them, you know, like I can break in front of them because they're safe. Uh, So yeah, in a lot of ways, it was the sweetest, most liberating, most painful thing ever, but such a good forward movement for Mm. freedom. So many people think that healing involves perfection like there are no more scars and one of the things I love is that you talk about the purpose of those scars as well one of my writer friends talks about God using her broken I've seen so many social media posts about how that actually imply that we have to be perfect before God can use us in some way so what have you discovered about that that's not true at all (laughs) you know I think that that's what you fear right Mm -hmm is that, that there's no way that God could use this hot mess right now. And he's just like, why are you trying to clean yourself up and do my job? Mm. You know, he, he can use every stage of our life. And I've seen him in the moments I think, okay, I probably need to take a break from like recording or um, traveling and speaking to, to work through this big issue that I'm going through. It has not once happened that way. It's like, you know, you're going to work through this and you're going to let people see you and you're going to be like honest about it. What is that all about? (laughs) Because perfectionism is hiding in so many ways. It's a mask and that's usually driven by fear, but saying, no, I'll show up messy. That's brave. 
you're brave in how you tell your story in the book. And that's what really resonated with me is that you're not pretentious. You just put it out there and this is who I am. This is what God has done in my life. And I think the the reader and the listener who's listening to our conversation today would find that encouraging and refreshing. So thank you for being vulnerable because I, I'm somebody who when I'm reading, I can spot a fake and, oh. and yours was real. I loved it. Thank you. That's the best compliment ever. Thank you. So how did this change your way of living, like your outlook on life when you experienced that freedom for the first time? I think that it became the pattern, right? It, it was like making this freedom journey, being gutsy, like, you know, going hard for healing, like doing all of these things, doing the hard work, going to therapy, which I'm still in, you know, doing, exploring all of these avenues, talking about mental health. It just, I think it brings me freedom because I know it's not just about me, that my freedom journey isn't just for me or about me. It has to be about community because I think we cannot be free alone and we cannot heal alone. We heal in community. And most of the time we've been broken in community. So it's, so um, I think that it's just the most empowering thing in the world to say, no, I remember not living free. Like I'm not going back there. Your journey affects the next generation as well. And you're raising daughters, correct? Um, yes. So how have you seen this affect your parenting or even how they're growing up compared to how you grew up? Yeah, I, I think that there is there was a lot of verbal abuse in my family um, and some hitting, which it wasn't terrible, but that's also what abuse people say. It wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you've come from a situation where there was abuse, you become very tolerant of it. You've got a high tolerance for like taking and putting up with it. So what I do for my girls is when I see them hurting, I've had one, one or both girls at one point have said, I feel depressed. And so I talk about it openly and say, here's what I went through and where, like, where are you on this level? Like, what do you need? Um, So they, they get a lot of freedom in that they get to be messy. They get to cry. They get to have those moments where they don't want to go to church. And, um, and I'll let them, I let them ask hard questions. And, um, the other day, my daughter was just like, I had to make a really big decision a few months ago and it was the hardest thing that I've ever done. And so I was very honest with them. And, um, one of my daughters just looked at me and started crying and she said, you're so brave. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really proud of you. That was hard. So I think that we're speaking over each other in a way that you can, you can do this. You can make it through anything. And I think that I want to see them um, confident. I want them to hear themselves talking nice about themselves in their heads. So that's something that they're not there at all. Um, they're teenagers, of course not, but mm-hmm. I'm please don't beat yourself up over this. So I really stress, like, talk nice to yourself in your head, take a deep breath, like you can handle this. Um, Yeah, so a lot of pep talks. I don't know if most of my adult listeners talk nice to them inside of themselves inside of their heads. They don't. I mean, that's what we do, right? We beat ourselves up. Um, One moment that I'm thinking about is I had a moment where I bomb. I felt like I bombed every single episode that we were 
recording that day and they could see me like struggling it out. And I was thinking everything is just going to be a mess. They just need to like pet me out of this and everything will be fine. And I was leaving and I started to tear up and Holly said, I want you to talk to yourself like you would to me, Mm. like on your way home, talk Mm. to yourself like you would me. And there is no way that I would ever put her down or say, you know, what happened? None of that. I'd say, what do you need? Like, it's Mm -hmm. fine. You, you know, and then later as those episodes aired, they were fine, but it was just that moment of insecurity and what, once it creeps in and like it hijacks everything. So yeah, I, I think that most adult women, especially do not talk nice to themselves. And I don't think, I think that that's one way to stay in chains. It is. It's something that I do now with friends because somebody did with me. In fact, I just did that in a text message today where somebody was telling me what they're struggling with and feeling that shame, feeling some guilt. And then I asked her to tell me what she would say if I had just shared that. And oftentimes we can say something to somebody else and it's hard for us to receive it ourselves. So I love that you gave that as a reminder. For the listener who's listening today, I'm bringing you this story today and bringing introducing you to Jennifer because of how she talks about brokenness. And she talks about how brokenness is meant to be the backstory and the catalyst and not the lead character in our stories. And friends, I know that oftentimes we do make our brokenness the lead character in our stories. Jennifer, how do you address that? I think that that's normal, right? We see the highlight reel on social media, see all of the, you know, but we don't post the messy, but I think that, um, I think it's just a really powerful thing when we say, no, you don't get to steal my story. Like, you know, my brokenness. No, that was just Mm -hmm. the, that was a launch pad into, Mm -hmm. you know, what God's called me to do. Every single broken place in my life has been used for a greater purpose. I don't want to be the poster child for a broken home or um, depression and anxiety, but God has used that beyond what I could ever imagine. And that is where real ministry happened in the messiness Mm -hmm. of my story and working it out with people watching me, with people getting to hear my heart on those messy days that I'd write about it. So I think that we we cannot let the the broken pieces of our story um, be the ending. No, it's just like, it's just a, a chapter. It's just a chapter and we can build from that. That's a healthy perspective. I've noticed sometimes when I've been at events and a speaker will be brought in to talk about some really big struggle they've had in their life. And sometimes we get stuck on telling like 95% of the really tragic part and then finished with a little bit of, oh, and Jesus worked it out. Yeah, I love that when you're telling your story, you give enough of the backstory so we know the struggle is real, but then you spend 95% of your time showing how we work it out and how Jesus is the solution, which really helps us then to know what to do instead of, well, I can relate to your story, but now what? Yeah, exactly. Well, and something that Susie said when I was writing the book, she said, be prepared to be talking about this for five years. (laughs) And so I was like, whoa, wait, what? And so she had shared that 
some of these things she was tired of talking about. And so when I wrote this, I really wanted to write about it from an honest place, but I wanted Mm. to write about it from a, you know, like not a Debbie Downer moment, but like a, like, Hey, let's do this together moment that I can keep talking about for years and years and years. Like Mm -hmm. that will never be tired for me. And it's really cool to see what resonates with others. And so I think that that's what I love more than anything is someone saying something that I wrote and I'm like, wait, wow. Like I can use anything, Mm -hmm. you know? Speaking of something you wrote, I had marked something in the book where you said, um, you're talking about issues and you said, when we surrender them to God, we not only open the door to conquering them, but we also unlock the gate to our true purpose in life. Where the enemy of our souls tries to shame us, the power of God wants to shine through us. We are beacons of hope, not damaged goods. Before each breakthrough, you will find a decision point. Will you keep going or shrink back? You talk about how our issues are not meant to be limitations. I'm wondering, what do you say to the people who are really struggling to find that breakthrough, who are stuck in that shame? Well, it takes a really long time, right? And I think removing the shame from working through struggles needs to be one of the first things that we do to approach someone and say, listen, you know, a a lot of moving forward in our stories is not throwing shame at ourselves, not listening to the enemy when he tries to throw it back at us. And so to be prepared, but there is a moment that I feel like it clicks, you know, where there's a moment, whether we're on our face crying and praying, or we're driving in our car and we hear a song, there is that moment where something shifts in our spirit and we go, okay, I'm, I'm, I've passed. I want, I want to pass this test. Um, and I want to, like, I don't want to keep repeating this. And so I think that it really has to be like, okay, that's what it was. That's how I can place this. And then, you know, see what God wants to do with it. I think there are times where we're also not equipped for how to speak to other people who are going through this. I'm thinking of how in some of the church circles, I mean, I've grown up in the church, so I've been just say I've been part of church for more than 50 years. I don't think we're well equipped for how to speak to somebody in the middle of trying to get through and and that breakthrough point coming because we keep going back to their shame. Do you do some kind of teaching and training to help people learn how to how to be more helpful to others? I have really learned a lot about being trauma informed. And we say a lot of horrible things. We say a lot of cliches that feel like Mm -hmm. slaps in their faces. And it's not from a bad place. It's from a uncomfortable place because other people's pain makes us uncomfortable. And really, Mm -hmm. we don't have to give people all the answers because we don't know them ourselves. But if you can sit with someone and let them talk through their trauma and be a safe person, that's all you have to do, you know, is just let them show up messy without the need to find that one phrase or scripture that's going to fix them. Right. The fixing, <laughs> the fixing, because it's not our job, but we can be there. So, yeah, I think more than ever, especially in this season, um, being someone who's a real advocate for trauma and for those who are hurting is really important. And I'm 
probably going to tackle some of that. There's a lot to tackle, but in my next book, I really want to learn even more because I've been there too, where I've said the dumb stuff. Oh, I do it all the time. You know, and so that's, that's the thing, but I can speak to the other side and say, they didn't mean to, Mm -hmm. they don't know. And so, and, but some people don't want to know, and you know, those people, and that's why you don't go to those people, you know? Yeah, we do. We discover who the safe people are. The hardest thing is also sometimes where we keep bringing up somebody's shame to the point where they feel like they're disqualified from ever moving beyond the struggle. And I've been more aware of how my own past legalism has contributed to that as well. And how, you know, you talked about the woman with the issue of bleeding. Mm -hmm. Jesus is in the business of healing people. And so I I remind myself that um, I need to contribute to the healing part and not to the hurt, even though in church I've been part of contributing to the hurt for far too long. Can you think of circumstances where you have felt hopeless and all you could do is reach out to God? Yes. Um, Just um, a few months ago, I was like in the, just kind of putting on makeup, getting ready for the day. And I just kind of said, God, this is like a disaster. This is a complete nightmare. And then it was like, you know, just something inside me said, but you're still standing, you're still showing up. Um, and so it looks hopeless, but it's not because there's moments where I don't feel hopeless. Um, but the moment, the heaviness or the decision that I had to make, it seems like a hopeless situation, but if I can get to the point where I don't feel hopeless, then I can handle some messy, bad moments. I can handle that. I can handle that knowing it's temporary, that everything that we face or feel is temporary. I found that when I'm tired, I'm the most vulnerable. Do you have, do you know yourself to know when you're the most vulnerable? Yes. Tired and hungry. Yeah. Hungry. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> you know, um, and mainly when I am just working so hard and trying to keep everything afloat and trying to keep my family together, like trying to do all of these things. And then I realized there's not enough of me to go around. Mm -hmm. Um, I cry very easily and about stupid stuff. Me too. Just tired, you know? And then I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just like really tired, you know? And then it's all of that. You know, I don't know why I have the need to apologize too, but when I cry, I do feel like I need to say I'm sorry. And yet if somebody else says I'm sorry, I'm like, hey, you you yeah. can cry. It's okay. Yeah. Some people are stuffers and some people wear their heart on their sleeve. And um, mm-hmm. I'm somewhere in the middle there, I think. Yeah. In one place in your book, you said something profound happened when you finally embraced a moving on mindset. And you said freedom would look a lot like changing my mindset to mirror the promises of God. That really struck me because my mindset is often controlled by my own hurt or my own emotions and all of those things. And the mindset of God is so clear from scripture. And yet I I don't always go there first. So do you have any tips for how you get into that mindset that mirrors the promises of God? 
Yes. I, when I see myself in that pattern, that everything I say in my head is negative, Mm. I go, "Mm." so there's certain things that I start thinking or say in my head that I wouldn't say out loud, um, that I go, okay, red flag, you know, like what, what do you need to not feel that way? And so I think it's just catching, um, catching ourselves and like saying, no, I'm not going to go there. Like I've said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the shame spiral or I'm not going to just be afraid all the time, but I would have to shut it down. And then you have to replace it with the truth. Um, Even in counseling, when you um, are going through EMDR or um, other kinds of therapies where you were telling a lie that the enemy spoke over you or someone else spoke over you, you don't just leave it at that. You replace that that memory, that thought with the truth. And then that's what you can move forward in. And that is a mending mindset. It's just saying, Hey, I've got this and this is heavy. And these thoughts are wrecking me. How do I get rid of them? And it's kind of like piece by piece, right? Mm -hmm. You Untangle Mm -hmm. the lies that you've wrapped around your identity. And you say, well, this is what God says about me. And I'm, I'm going to bank on this other than how I feel, or even what people um, speak over us or how they respond to us. I before felt so much um, just guilt and shame and unworthiness based on how someone would, would respond to me. And I don't do that anymore. I'm like, mm, you're not Jesus, you know, or that, <laughs> that's not mine to fix, you know, and I don't take it into my heart anymore, but that was a huge process of practicing that. <laughs> Need a mug that says you're not Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Reminding us. Not Jesus. Like this is not yours. You have gutsy prayers at the end of every chapter and you talk in the book about being a gutsy girl. What do you say to the listener today who wants to be that gutsy girl, but she thinks she isn't strong enough? Yeah. You know what? I think people are doing better than they think. Mm. You know, I think we're really hard on ourselves. And the first thing I would say is I think that you are stronger than you think. I think that you are braver than you think every day you do hard things, but you can be gutsy. You can be brave and being brave is doing things afraid, right? Mm -hmm. It's not waiting until the fear leaves. It's just showing up in the fear, in the unknown and saying, I'm not going to let this win. I'm I'm not going to let this get me. I think about like even the first time I had a speaking event 20 some years ago, how I was shaking. My mouth was so dry. I I couldn't I don't know. I don't even know if the words came out coherently. And yet you can't just stop doing it in that moment. So I don't know why in the other everyday things when we're not on a stage, why it's sometimes harder to just take the next step and do the thing. Yeah, well, it's easier to lay down. Mm-hmm. easier to binge another show on Netflix or eat a brownie or eat. Oh, <laughs> eat my feelings all the time. But when we pay attention, that's brave mm-hmm. and it's hard and it's uncomfortable. But I think that that, I think that that's real gutsy. I think that that's mm-hmm. real, um, really puts us in a place of real breakthrough, not just almost there because most people stop right before their breakthrough. 
Oh, that's good. Okay, say that again. Most people stop right before their breakthrough. They give up then when they're right on the edge of it. Like they're, they're right there. Yeah. A little more pressing, a little more hard, a little more crying about it, a little more (laughs) therapy. Like you can like get on the other side of those things that were tripping you up. And once you do, you're like, no, (laughs) no, only new issues only, (laughs) you know, like that's, (laughs) that's gone. Not that things don't surface in our hearts, like in or abandonment, different things like that. But once we start defeating those, like we can stay in that zone. I can recognize when the shadow of something comes up again that I've wrestled with in the past and it doesn't overtake me, but yet I I can still, you know, we don't always feel it. Sometimes my feelings tell me they bring back the old hurt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you address that in your book, too. I know towards the end, you talk about what if I'm not there yet. I would love to have people be able to connect with you online, Jennifer. So where can they find you? Okay, they can find me on Facebook at Jennifer Renee Ryder. Um, That will get them to my page. And then on Instagram, it's just plain old Jennifer Watson. And then I have a website, JenniferReneeWatson.com. And that's very, very long. Um, (laughs) But that's where they can find me. And I love connecting with people. Like, I think that that's one of my most favorite things is because I think that you can get really close to people you don't even know. And it's the sharing our stories together. I will link to that in the show notes to your website and socials so people can find you there. I do want people to also pick up Freedom, the Gutsy Pursuit of Breakthrough and the Life Beyond It, emphasis on the life beyond it. So I will link to that as well. Uh, Listener, Jennifer is passionate about talking with those who are struggling to break free from brokenness, those who are working through trauma from abuse while learning how to stand up for themselves in ways they never thought possible. Jennifer, what would you like to leave with our listeners today as we wrap up? That they're amazing and they're doing so much better than they even know and to keep showing up. And maybe it's taking a lot of time for a breakthrough, but you're almost there. Thank you so much for sharing today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been great. You will find the show notes for this episode at michellerayburn.com slash 137. There I will have links to everything we talked about in this episode, the scriptures that we mentioned, a link to Jennifer's book and the podcast that she's on, all the things. So you'll find that in the show notes there. Thank you so much for being with me this week. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com to get the show notes for this episode. Each week, I share links to everything mentioned in the episode, graphics you can share, and guest quotes. I also invite you to join the Life Repurposed Facebook community for weekly conversation with others on the journey of discovering the repurposed life. Before you go, which friend needs to hear this episode? share a link with a note to invite them to listen.